0: Shirley was in her early 60s when I knew her back in Midland. She was healthy, she was strong, she was active and involved in the church, she taught classes, she ran a daycare out of her home, she took care of her grandkids, she was a wonderful Christian woman, and she developed some sort of, caught some sort of a virus And the virus ended up affecting her similar to the way a stroke affects people sometimes. There were days where we didn't know if she was going to make it or not. And eventually she had to be put into a nursing home. She had to relearn how to talk and how to walk. And I say all that to say that life can take sudden, unexpected, and devastating turns sometimes. And chances are there are people right here, right now, some of you that are experiencing exactly that right now. Life has taken an unexpected and devastating turn for you. And if you're not going through a season like that right now, the bad news is at some point, you will be. At some point. Life is going to be chugging along just fine. Everything is going to be going according to plan. And all of a sudden, life is going to take an unexpected and devastating turn. And because that's true, we need shepherds. Because that's true, we need people who will come alongside us who will love us, who will care for us. When you experience that, again, maybe you're experiencing that right now, that pain, that devastation, that heartbreak, maybe you're experiencing it right now, but if you're not, you will be and you will need shepherds. The good news is this congregation has nine of some of the best shepherds I have ever seen, men who love and who support and care for and minister to, hurting people every single day. But these men need our help. These men need your help. They need us to help identify and nominate other men who can come alongside and be part of this shepherding ministry but they also need our help in the fact that they need our support, and they need our encouragement. I'm sure we're all aware that the last two years were incredibly hard on everybody all over the world, but I don't know of a single group of people that it was harder on than the shepherds throughout the church throughout the world this was an incredibly difficult time to shepherd people. And our shepherds here at McDermott Road, I just want to say this, and I've been wanting to say this for two years, they not only ministered to and encouraged, but I'm convinced that they saved people's lives over the last two years. And they need our encouragement, they need our support, and they need our prayers. Because what they do What they do as shepherds, what they do as shepherds for us can only be done not by their own strength and their own power and their own wisdom. They're really talented and they're really smart and they're really wise and they're really experienced, but they can't do what they need to do by their own power and strength. It only is possible through the work of the Spirit through the good shepherd, through the chief shepherd working through them. And that's one of the things that I want us to understand about. Why is it that life hurts so bad? Because sometimes we're surprised, aren't we? When life takes a devastating turn, when life throws us a curveball that we weren't expecting, we're shocked and surprised like it wasn't supposed to work like this. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. So why is it that life hurts so bad? And how is it that God is ministering to us in those difficult times. I want, I want to use sort of a, a visual to kind of help us to understand. The Bible calls this time period in which we're living right now, this is a really, really sobering phrase, this present evil age. That sounds real fun, doesn't it? This present evil age. That's when you live. That's when I live. We live in the midst of this present evil age. That's why there's wars. That's why there's violence. That's why there's hatred. That's also why there's cancer and dementia and Alzheimer's and death. Is because we live in the midst of this present evil age. And hurt And pain and devastation and conflict and tension and violence and death are part and parcel to the age in which we live. But we also understand that there's an age to come, right? That's the good news. We know that there's an age to come, an age in which all of those bad, evil, hurtful, painful things will no longer exist, and all of creation will be filled with God's justice, his righteousness, his love His peace, His presence, light, and life, and love will fill all of God's creation. And we look forward to, and we long for that day. Amen? We understand that there's this present evil age, and there's the age to come. But sometimes what I I think we might fail to understand is is this reality. Now watch the screen. here's Here's what I want us to understand. There's also this 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 bit of overlap, this bit of intersection, where the Holy Spirit is bringing the age to come into the midst of this present evil age. And you know where he's doing that? In you. In y'all. In all y'all. In the church. The Holy Spirit is bringing the age to come, all of the light and life and love and presence of God into the midst of this present evil age. And this is where we live as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as the dwelling place, the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where we live. We live in this overlap. We live in this intersection between the present evil age and the age to come. This is where we live, and this is where we minister, and this is where we operate, and it's a messy place, but it's also a beautiful place. The church operates in the beautiful and messy intersection of the Spirit's power and people's pain, right? That's that's the good news. The good news isn't just about what is coming. We long for and look forward to and our hope is in the age to come, but eternal life is something that for believers, it's already begun. You already have abundant life. You already have eternal life. Hebrews says that if you are a Christian, you've already tasted, I love that word, Tasted of the power of the age to come. You're sharing in the Holy Spirit. You've tasted the power of the age to come. And this is where the church lives. This is where the church operates. This is where the church ministers. Is it this beautiful and messy intersection of the Spirit's power and people's pain? And as we look at the book of Acts, as we've been doing the last few weeks, this is what, We see over and over and over again in the book of Acts, we see people's pain, people's heartache, people's trauma, people's suffering, but we also see the Spirit's power. And we see that the church is living and operating and ministering in that beautiful and messy intersection of the Spirit's power and people's pain. Listen to the the work of the apostles, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 and following. cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Do you, you see? you see that beautiful and messy intersection? Sickness and pain, suffering, people that are desperate, desperate for what God can do for them. This is where the apostles lived and ministered and operated at that beautiful and messy intersection of the spirit's power and people's pain. Verse 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see what God can do in people's lives, but it's also incredibly messy. Can you imagine how, how complicated that would be? All of these people Just like it was in the days of Jesus, all of these people bringing sick and afflicted people, hurting in various ways, unclean spirits and sickness. They can't walk. They can't can't do this. They can't do that. They have this affliction or that affliction, and they're all being brought, people desperate to be healed. And this is where the church has always operated. And you say, yes, I, I know that's what happened in the book of Acts, Wes, but we don't have apostles anymore And ever since the apostles have been gone, so did this sort of miraculous gift of healing. And yes, that's true. But thankfully, thankfully, the apostles weren't the only thing, the only role or people that Jesus gifted his church with. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says, therefore, it says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. See, when Jesus ascended to the throne, when Jesus ascended to the throne, that's when this, this overlap of the present evil age and the age to come, this is when that began. Jesus has conquered death, and he's reigning. He's ascended to the throne, and in his victory over his enemies, he gives gifts to people. What sort of gifts does he give? verse 11, and he gave, here's the gifts, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See, he says all of these roles, apostles, and prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers some translations may say pastors and teachers that's just from the latin word that means shepherds pastors and these roles these were given to the church to build up and to equip the saints who are the saints that's that's y'all that's all y'all that that's all of us right we are the saints to equip all of us so that together we can operate in this intersection, this overlap between the Spirit's power and people's pain, that we could come together in the presence of God's Holy Spirit, being indwelt with his Spirit, and we can build each other up in the Spirit's power with love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. You see, every time, it may not be as spectacular as Peter's shadow passing by, but every time a Christian who is filled with the Spirit And whose life is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Every time you're ministered to by a brother or sister in Christ, you are tasting the power of the age to come. You are getting a taste of what all eternity and all creation will be when it's filled with God's presence and all the evil and pain and sickness and death are gone. We're building each other up. The Spirit is equipping us to minister to one another. And you see, shepherds, shepherds have a special role to play in this overlap, in this intersection, where the present evil age meets the age to come. Where the Spirit's power meets people's pain. Shepherds Elders have this special role to play. James describes it well. Look at James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. James says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. You see how all of this goes together forgiveness and healing and being raised up. And we might say, yeah, Wes, I understand. I mean, that's what it says that you call the elders and pray for the sick person, and the sick person's going to be healed and, and raised up. But my mom or my dad or my grandfather, or my uncle, or my friend, I prayed for him, the elders came and ministered to him and prayed for him, and and he didn't get better. See, but we've got to guard against having a short-sighted view of these promises, don't we? See, someday I'm going to get devastating news about my family members or about myself. I'm going to have a devastating diagnosis. I know that day is coming. Or or I'm not even going to know it's coming and I'm going to be gone. I know that life is going to take a sudden and unexpected and devastating turn. And if I have the opportunity to call the elders to come and anoint me with oil and pray for me, I will. And, And one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to get better in this age and I'm going to be healed in this age by God, or, or I'm going to die, and yet, even though I die, yet shall I live. Jesus is going to heal me. Jesus is going to raise me up either in this age or the one to come. But one way or the other, if I get cancer or I get dementia or I get Alzheimer's or I get some virus or I get whatever, I will be raised up and I will live forever. That's what I know is true because of Jesus. That's what we know is true because of Jesus. And so in this in between time, in this time where we long for the day to come when there won't be any more cancer, when there won't be any more dementia, when there won't be any more Alzheimer's, where there'll be no more pandemics and there'll be no more wars, there'll no more hatred and no more violence and no more killing and no more hating and no more despising, no more bitterness, no more sin, no more death. As we long for that day, and we pray for that day, and we wait desperately for that day, we know that we're not left alone, that we continue to minister to one another until suffering is no more. We need shepherds who will minister in this beautiful and messy intersection of the Spirit's power and people's pain. We all have a role to play in that, don't we? We all have a role to play in living and operating and ministering in this intersection. And our shepherds have a special role to play in that intersection between the Spirit's power and people's pain. At this time, I'm gonna ask one of our shepherds, Richard Beasley, to join me And we are going to spend some time this morning, and then we're going to do similar things the next few weeks. But as we go through this process, as we go through this process, I want the church to know who our shepherds are, how our shepherds can minister to you, how you can support them, how you can love them as they do this important ministry. Brother, thank you for doing this. Great to be here. Thank you. Let me just start, just kind of couch it all in these terms. As you think about shepherding in the Spirit, Mm -hmm. what comes to your mind?
1: You know, it's interesting that we talk about Peter's shadow and his incredible role in the early church. I want to start us by going to his admonition to or his encouragement to Uh, Two elders. So I'm going to read the first three verses of 1 Peter chapter 5. read along with me. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness to Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watching over him, not because you must but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when you think about Peter and and the time he spent with Christ, he, he talks about being a witness to his sufferings, but I can't help but think, Wes, that what really made a profound impression on Peter was the times he saw Jesus and the tender kindness that he showed to people everywhere but especially those who the world really looked down upon and the gospels are just full of those examples right we can go to Luke 7 and see a woman who comes to the house of Simon the Pharisee and you know she wets Jesus' Feet with her tears and washes his feet with her hair. And Simon's like, oh my goodness, if he this guy was a prophet, he would know she's a sinner. And Jesus very quickly helps him understand that she'd been forgiven a lot, and therefore she loved a lot. And he'd been forgiven little, so maybe he needed to check his heart, right? You think about the woman at the well. She's been married five times, and yet Jesus, because he's kind and loving in his conversation, to her she evangelizes a town you think about um, the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15 she presses Jesus help me he says look I'm I'm only sent the lost chief of Israel it's not right to throw the you know the, the food to the dogs She says yes Lord but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table and he's impressed with her faith and he's kind to this person who's not a Jew who's a woman but he sees the the hurt in her for her daughter. And what about these other society guys? Think about Luke chapter 19. This little dude named Zacchaeus who's been extorting his fellow Jews with the help of the Roman government as a tax collector. And yet when Jesus speaks kindly to him and knows that he's someone no one likes, Mm -hmm. he lifts him up. And we have our first gospel because of another tax collector, right? That Jesus sees something special. And we can talk about how he dealt with burly fishermen who were crushed in spirit in, in other ways. But the last thing I want to bring up is that Matthew 19 reminds us that he loved children. In that society, you know, children were to be seen and not heard, Right? Jesus loved children, wanted them to have access to them, and knew that they were had spirits that are emerging and were questioning and fearful, and yet he wanted them to know that uh, they were they were welcome to him. You know, Psalm thirty four says uh, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I think as we talk about this aspect of shepherding, let's keep our focus on Jesus. I'm, I'm very Thankful and humbled to be here to represent our our group of shepherds in this subject. Yeah.
0: Well, when you think about all of the things you just went through and you think about how messy life was in the first century and how messy life is today and all of the different situations that we can find ourselves in, uh, I I imagine it would be incredibly intimidating to, to think how can I serve in that role where Mm -hmm. it's gonna be part of my life to wade into these very complicated and messy situations. So, before you became a shepherd, before you were one of our elders, um, you know, what were some of the questions you had or fears you had or even misunderstandings you had about Mm -hmm. serving as a shepherd?
1: Well, I think everybody uh, kind of has this notion that you need to be perfect or have all the answers that's just not possible, right um, I think also I misunderstood how the eldership worked for some reason I had it in my mind I was going to be you know sent out like an agent you know uh, to, to do solo opportunities or solo things and when I, once I understood how the eldership worked, all those fears subsided. Uh, let me tell you a story about uh, very early i don 't think I'd been an elder a month and there was a sister who just lost her husband, had become a widow. And the day after he passed away, uh, Vance, Brian, and I went to visit with her. And quite frankly, I was nervous. You know, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to respond the wrong way. And Vance just in a beautiful way reminded, reminded me that just your presence with people is really important. And that if you're there to be present, to listen, and then to encourage, encourage with prayer, that was most important. So I realized, first of all, I wasn't going to be alone. And second, just understand that the, the experiences that our family had had and the things that had happened to us had prepared us for the role maybe more than we had thought. And it was really just important to be willing to engage, and just willing to be out there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and then and that really kind of leads to the next question,
0: and and you kind of touched on this, but from your perspective, What's the importance of having? We often use the word plurality, but a group of elders with which to work. As you said, you're not going out there as this solo lone ranger shepherd to, to go and do this this work. Uh, you're doing it as a group. So, from your perspective, what's the what's the benefit and the blessing of working together in a group like that?
1: Yeah. Well, thinking about different experiences, you know, life is awesome. It's, it's a miracle in a lot of ways. It's a gift from God. It really is. But it's hard. I mean, and it's, it's going to be hard at different times for different people, things that you've just spoken about. And if you get some complication in your life, then you've got to struggle and you may very quickly find yourself discouraged. So we all need encouragement from each other. We all need shepherding. I'll talk a little more about that in a minute, but we want everybody in the congregation to take on that perspective with each other, to to help each other out. Speaking specifically about our group, um, we are, uh, we all do kind of different aspects of shepherding, and I want to highlight that a little bit. I mean, if you've got a medical diagnosis that you don't understand or is a very serious condition, There's no better shepherd to work with you than Tom Ward. He's a medical doctor, and he will walk with you in that journey. Don Cheshire gets out of his house and pays visits to people who just need some love and and, 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 and visit time, right? Mike Phillips is so tender hearted that I think he sees problems before most people can. It's, It's wonderful. And if you have a long-term problem and need a steady influence, Bentley Bentley Alexander will walk alongside you in that. And if you need someone to counsel you through something like job loss or loss of a close relative or another personal crisis, Mike Willoughby is your guy. Quentin, he's been a trusted advisor of wisdom and love to so many people, including me. for more than 20 years as as a shepherd, or for almost 20 years, I should say. And if you want to talk about raising kids because he knows it's not a perfect process but has a grand vision for a family, talk to Alan Carson. And if you're brokenhearted because you have a child with a critically painful disease that may be very um, difficult to walk through, then Steve Strathair will walk through that, that journey with you and if you struggle to learn from your mistakes I'm your guy <laughs> um, two things I, I mentioned these things you know purely to highlight some of the differences in how mm-hmm. God works in our group and um, but please know that we all do this and we're all willing to you know to, to listen to you and pray with you and, and, and talk you through the steps of how uh, you might work through a particular problem or issue. Um, One of the things that when we understand there's a more long-term issue or more serious issue, oftentimes Wes will counsel together and say, hey, who can work best with someone who's having a family problem, a job loss, uh, you know, an addiction or, you know, financial issues. And, And typically we also, like I talked about earlier, Try to work in groups of two or more mm-hmm. in those situations to, because we feel like more perspective really helps us. And um, so that, that that's what we work in. And then finally, I'll say this, we shepherd each other. And that's something that's been a tremendous uh, support and joy because all of us, all of us are suspect to the weariness of this present age that yeah. you talked about. Yeah. So, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, one of the reasons we 're doing this series, I think everybody is aware is that we need additional shepherds you We have nine amazing amazing shepherds and I, that I am so thankful for and as you highlighted all of their strengths, we know that there's even more strengths that need to be added um, and and more people more men that we need to serve in those roles. But I imagine that there are probably men out here right now, either in this room or watching online that are that are wondering if they are the right fit for the eldership and and think, well, maybe I could serve in that role, but they're feeling inadequate or unqualified. And so what would you say to a man that's wondering whether or not he should or could uh, serve in this capacity?
1: Well, the good news is the scriptures will qualify you. We tend to get subjective about it, you know, and be hard on ourselves. The scriptures are objective and they'll qualify you. I do think it's okay to feel a normal sense kind of, of hesitation or a sense of inadequacy. And I'm willing to bet all of the elders, if you talk with them individually, had had those questions, and that's that's okay. But like we talked about, the beauty of God's plan is that, you know, with this plurality of shepherds, he uses our unique personalities to do his work in his time and as he sees fit. And so no one's got all the answers, uh, but a willingness, just, just being willing to walk with people in these senses of struggle is, is real important. Um, and I want to touch on one thing. Um, you know, a lot of people may f- feel inadequate because of the mention of teaching uh, in, in, in the scriptures. And Mike Willoughby will step through this in more detail next week. But please understand that apt to teach is more about using wisdom in scriptures and discipling than it is standing up in a traditional classroom. I firmly believe that. Um, So it's more important to know how to use the Bible and Scriptures wisely than it is, say, to know the best extra biblical source to be able to put a class together. Um, And then finally, you know, you and I spoke about this this week, and you spoke about it a few minutes ago. Uh, While the Scriptures do qualify us, thank God, The Lord, the Spirit empowers us because when we get tired, the the Spirit presses us on. When we uh, get weary, you know, we we have the Spirit to empower us to keep going and uh, to encourage one another. Mm -hmm. And for that, I'm very thankful.
0: Amen. So, one of the things that we hope this series of lessons will do is to encourage people to participate in the process of, of putting names forward and also what I hope that it Does is encourage people to encourage the shepherds to hold their hands up to pray for them to encourage them and support them but another thing that we want to do is to remind people that The shepherds are there for them because there are some people right now that are going through one of the hardest times in their life and yet we're unaware of their struggle because they haven't let anybody in on that. So there may be somebody here this morning that is struggling with something and yet they're hesitating for one reason or another to call on the shepherds and and benefit from the ministering and the the shepherding that they can do. So what would you say to someone right now who's hesitating to, to ask the shepherds to step into their struggle with them?
1: Please don't hesitate. Um, every elders meeting we spend about 35 to 45 minutes in prayer for very specific needs within the congregation and we want to know what those are and I would say don't hesitate because for two reasons. Number one, there's no reason for you to carry the burden by yourself. God gave us the church and gave us his structure so that you don't have to. And second, um, oftentimes things get to the point where it's, it it 's very, very hard to to, um, to to fix it for lack of a better term right and, and you know as we talked about this week, oftentimes and, and you may feel this way oftentimes you know you put off going to the dentist or the doctor or even a mechanic because you think the problem's going to go away with your body or your car right. <laughs> Um, I usually. just keep turning the radio up louder when the car's making a noise. <laughs> exactly. and But usually it usually doesn't happen, right? And it only gets worse. Um, and that's, you know, we, we hope it goes away. But the other reason we don't do it is sometimes we feel like that dentist, that doctor, or that mechanic will go, why didn't you bring this in here? And almost shame you. Brothers and sisters, you will not get any of that from this eldership. There will be no shaming. Uh, Talk about Vance one more time. One of the last things, or one of the things he always impressed upon us was as you listen to people, um, understand how hard it is for them to come to talk to you about something and to have love and gentleness and no judgment in your face. And that's what we've what we've tried to do. And and, um, so I would say, please come to us. We want to pray for you. We want to walk with you. No shame.
0: Yeah. Amen. Well, as we always do, we're going to offer an invitation, and I think it's, it, it puts it in a special light this morning that uh, when we sing this song here in a moment, uh, you can come up and visit with Richard, visit, visit with uh, the other elders, ask them to pray with you and pray for you. And there is always, sometimes I forget to mention it, but there's always a prayer room uh, in the hallway in my office where uh, one or two of the shepherds will always be there after service So that if you need to talk with somebody about whatever it is that you're going through, if you need somebody to pray with you and pray for you, they are there. They live to do this. They live to love you. They live to minister to you. And so, as as Richard said, don't hesitate. Allow them to do that. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to become A child of God. You're ready to step into the age to come, Uh, be forgiven of your sins, and be filled with the Holy Spirit by being baptized into Christ. But if there's anything we can do for you this morning, now's a great opportunity to respond as together we stand and sing this song.